Okay, uh, should we should we start this bitch? Are you gonna say that? I was just gonna say that. Should we start this bitch? Let's get it started in here. Let's get it started. Ha! Let's get it started. Give me <laughs> Okay. Back. My back's so sweaty. I just <laughs> lean forward and it's all cold now. <sighs> Hey guys, welcome to I'm Sorry What the Podcast. This is episode 69. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all know what that means. <laughs> uh, <so> I'm, Amanda. <laughs> I'm Amanda. I'm Christina. And we're fucking keeping it because... Yeah, that's how it's going. <laughs> we're starting that. Because if I do it again, it's just going to be worse. <laughs> <laughs> Remember our 69 gang sign from last week? <laughs> that was how I started episode 68. I'm sure you didn't listen to it, so. <laughs> 69. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. What's up? How you doing? How's it I'm, I'm good. I got freed from the boot at my doctor's office appointment yesterday. You've escaped. I escaped. Peace old girl. It takes me like I have like two weeks where I have to like wean myself out of it. But he's like, you can go as fast as or as slow as you're comfortable with. <laughs> it took everything inside of me not to say. That's what she said. That's what she said. <laughs> uh, fucking Michael Scott started a whole mess of jokes. <laughs> uh. Well, that's good. I'm glad you're semi morbid. Mobile. I'm glad now. you're semi morbid now. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> this is a great time for the rest of the episode. <laughs> my bye. What? My bye. <laughs> that was me saying mobile. I was like, more bye. <laughs> more bye. Huh? <laughs> oh, fuck, kid. How was your week? It's been fine. I'm uh, not feeling awesome today, but and I didn't feel great yesterday. I got sent home from work kind of early. It was like the one day that they didn't just have like too many staff this week to send yeah. me home. So of course they had to like finagle things to send me. So like an hour early, which sucks because I only took a half hour break because they were going to try to get me out as early as possible. They just didn't know if it was going to happen until noon. So they're like, you need to take at least a half hour if you work six hours. So I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. But I got out, came home, laid down. Pretty much haven't gotten up since. That's the best. It's the best. Yeah. I don't know. It's driving me a little bit crazy. I'm kind of an antsy fella. So. <laughs> I'm kind so. of an antsy fella. <laughs> I keep looking around like there's so much shit to do. This place is a disaster. And I'm home. And I can't even do it because I can't get myself to get up. There's nothing to do. There's so much to do. All I take you all on a virtual tour of the piles on the tables. But I can't because this is an individual platform. <laughs> it's all in your imagination. That's how people end up being hoarders. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> you uh we had another oh oh so i just saw 
on your thing, you were like, ha, 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 ha. And then the next time I saw you, you were like, <laughs> it down. froze. It must have frozen. <laughs> it scared me. <laughs> it, <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, looking at the camera, it's like, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it must have frozen. <laughs> And it was for, like, just a millisecond, because, like, you were laughing, and I could hear the laughing, and then the next thing was, you were just looking at the camera. <clears throat> that was nice. I need more water, but I'll get it after your story. Do you I didn't have bring a story? any water in here. Oh, I thought you were going to say I didn't bring a story in here. <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't bring a story. I didn't, I didn't come with a story. Great, because mine's only, like, two pages long. <laughs> Shortest episode ever. Enjoy your board. We're done. <laughs> All right. You got, did you bring a story though? Like for reals? I did. Oh, good. Okay. I'm going to tell you about the murder of Elise Marie Pauler. So this okay. happened in um, Arroyo Grande, California in the late 90s. Uh, and in Arroyo Grande, you had a higher than national average chance of being a victim of a violent crime. Okay. The area was full of gangs. It had nightly stabbings and shootings. Um, in 1995, there were a hundred violent crimes reported with a population of only 14,000. Oh, dang. So just a little background in where this took place, but so on July 22nd, 1995, Elise Marie Pollard was 15 and she was at home watching TV with her family when she got a call from a friend. It was some boys that she knew. They said they had some marijuana and wanted to see if she wanted to meet up with them. Uh, every time I say marijuana, I feel like I'm super white. <laughs> <laughs> they had some marijuana. They had some marijuana. Maybe it's not white. It's super Midwestern, <laughs> like Midwestern white. You just really- had some marijuana. You just really pronounced the vowels. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they wanted to see if she wanted to meet up with them. Uh, she told her parents she was going to bed and then snuck out. No! So Elise met up with Jacob Delishmut Roy, that's the last name, uh, Royce Casey, Casey and uh, Joseph Fiorella. And they had made their way to a eucalyptus grove nearby to sit and smoke. Okay. Um, she had met Jacob at the Mariposa Community Recovery Center recently, where they had both been getting treatment for drug and alcohol usage. Oh, it seems to be working. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she had attended the same school as Joseph Fiorella until he left. And Royce Casey was a friend of the two boys. Uh, and he went to a nearby continuation high school after he had been kicked out of his. So all of these boys were like real winners. Yeah. Uh, so they were hanging out in the grove, smoking weed. When out of nowhere, Jacob took off his belt he was wearing and quickly wrapped it around Elise's neck. Oh my god, okay. This is taking a turn. I'm ready. Uh, I think. Royce uh, lunged on her holding her <laughs> while Joseph uh, pulled out a hunting knife and started stabbing her in the neck. So, so this was planned, clearly. Yes, so then... Okay. Uh, Jacob and Royce took turns stabbing her, all while Elise was praying and calling out for her mother. Uh, but this did not stop the boys. Instead, they started stomping on her neck, trying to end her life quicker. And then they just left her to basically bleed out. What the fuck, Nielsen? What the fuck? 
Okay. The best with the worst. No, I did. Part. You just say the best part. I know. I corrected myself. <laughs> the worst part. After I, she had, they had confirmed she died. They took turns raping her body. What the fuck? Who are these kids? <laughs> I ju- I just about yelled out a lung. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! Okay, so you're going dark this week. I'm glad I got kind of a not so dark one. <laughs> Okay, I'm ready. Oh, Uh, shit. I'm grossed out. That grosses me out. I don't like it. Okay, okay. I'm done. Okay, I'm done. I'm sorry. No, I just... There's a little bit more. Just a little bit. Fuck me! Why? You should just spit it all out at once. (laughs) Well, I was trying to, but you kind of went off on a tangent there, so I was just letting it happen. (laughs) Okay, I'm ready. Okay, so what had appeared to be a spur-of-the-moment killing was not... Uh, they had wanted to commit a sacrifice to the devil. Um, Jacob <sighs> wanted to sacrifice Elise because he re- she resembled the Virgin Mary. She had blonde hair, blue eyes, and was reportedly a virgin. The Virgin Mary was an Aryan? I, yeah. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. <laughs> you know, yeah, I guess. Uh, 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 whatever, okay. Uh, they had wanted to sacrifice a virgin because it was the ultimate sin against God, and they wanted to use it as a way to please Satan in order to earn their ticket to hell and help their band Hatred become successful. You know, selling your soul never ends well for you. So it's kind of like the same, like the Norwegian black metal. Yeah. Death metal killings. These were, they had a death metal band called Hatred. Okay, so this is that other part that you're not going to like. So they had left their bo- her body there in the eucalyptus grove, uh, and it was located on the Nimpoma Mesa, uh, but the three would often return to continue having sex with her corpse. I... But why? And it was I... out in the California sun in this grove. So it's... Are they... I... It doesn't make sense to me. Are they trying to use like the black magic like premise of using we'll seeds get into of light? It. Okay. We'll get into it. I'm well, like no, it's not that smart. It's not that smart. But oh, we'll okay. Um they bragged about this to friend the the thing that's really effed up is they bragged about this to friends, not only how they killed her, but how they continued to go back and perform necrophilia on her. But none of the friends believed them. They thought they were just trying to be black metal badasses stupid people are Um, dumb which is stupid because she was missing for eight months like clearly she's not there right so So even if even if it wasn't true you would think they'd want to go to authorities with information like that well and fiorella had even told his mother what he had and friends had done and she didn't believe him again i don't it's like even if it's not true and you don't believe them you should probably share that information so those they look into something if there's no leads like i don't know okay but what was good is that when this all came out like all of the friends that they were opening their big fat mouths to were like yep we'll testify yep we'll testify so they had a crap ton of people that could testify that these guys had admitted it stupid um so they continued to go back and perform necrophilia all while Elise's family and friends were searching for her, not knowing that, and they none of them knew that she was. I mean, they the eucalyptus grove was not far from her home, right? Um, and her body would not be found for eight months. 
poor thing. So in March of 1996, her body was discovered uh, and a pathologist who performed the autopsy noted she was stabbed at least 12 times, but none of those wounds proved to be fatal. She died slowly from blood loss. So even though the body had been found, authorities still had no leads and no idea who had attacked her. Uh, it was such a savage assault that the first thought was um, to look at known violent offenders in the area, and no one suspected those three teenage boys because none of the friends came forward with well, any information. Right, and if they haven't like shown any history of like violent acts, who would think that they'd go straight into this like extremely gruesome thing? Right. Okay. Ugh. So Royce Casey, um, along with the other two boys had practiced Satanism for a while before the murder. Uh, but at some point Casey had changed his views and converted to Christianity. Uh, and with his new religion is what brought him to the authorities because he was ready to confess. Um, he also, his other, the other reason he wanted to confess was that he had started to fear for his own life. And the other two boys had told him she wouldn't be the only one. There would be others. And he felt like they meant it. Okay. Um, he said that the trio had been obsessed with music by the band Slayer. And a lyric in one of the band's songs, uh, it says, if you're not, or it is what, like, prompted Casey to um, confess. Because they had said, if you're not with us, you may no longer exist. Okay, so he was and thinking they would turn on him. Yeah, and the boys were, like, like obsessed with, like, they read into everything that was in those band's lyrics. Um, so Casey went to the investigators, and one of the most shocking statements he told investigators was that he, Jacob, and Joseph had planned the murder for over a month before they had acted, and they would sit around playing death metal music and talk about how they were going to sacrifice Elise to the devil, and had actually tried to murder her once before. Uh, really? He had told investigators that Jacob and Joseph, along with another teenager, had plotted and attempted to kill Elise one other time. The boys had asked Elise to go for a walk with them, then led her to a steep ravine on the mesa. One of the boys had pretended to slip down the ravine and tried to get Elise to come down to him. Uh, Joseph then pulled out a knife, throwing it to the other boy boy while he and jacob kept saying do it do it but the other boy holding the knife froze and didn't attack her okay uh elise must have thought the boys were just joking around because she never reported the incident and trusted them enough to go out with them again yeah well and i mean if mm -hmm. they are these like thinking they're badass kind of guys it might have just been something that like oh maybe it's just a funny joke they're trying to act you know dark I don't know how to explain it. I can right. see. Yeah. So during the interrogation, investigators tried to wrap their heads around like the motive. Like why did these three boys just all of a sudden viciously and brutally murder her? Um, and Royce Casey told them that it was to receive power from the devil to help them play guitar better. Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You're fucking dumb. Um, it said, he said if they could make the perfect sacrifice to the devil, it would help them go professional. They would be able to gain more craziness that would make them play harder and faster. 
um harder and faster (laughs) (laughs) sorry Um, i gotta find light and something here the motive part of that motive the song that inspired the three the most casey said or royce casey said was the altar of sacrifice by the by slayer uh the lyrics go high priest awaiting dagger in hand spilling the pure virgin blood Uh, Uh, after the arrest so many people wondered what obviously could cause the three boys to attack someone viciously and not be bothered by it afterwards they thought maybe it was the drugs because they didn't really take the excuse for sacrifice to the devil right um and jacob delschmott did um admit to authorities that they were drug users and they had been taking acid and meth regularly which can fuck up um, your mind pretty good. The death metal band and their satanic lyrics did come into play. Um, but the three would admit that they had practiced Satanism and were very interested in the occult, so much so that it had become an obsession, uh, which continued to consume them in their lives, shifting their reality into fantasy world fueled by music and drugs. So they were basically just kind of this perfect um, tailspin of fucked up the perfect storm of shit yeah shit storm if you will uh joseph fiorella admitted that he was the one who first hinted at the occult with his friends to see if they were interested and when he realized they were he started to share his thoughts it turned out that even though fiorella was the youngest he had the most knowledge on the subject and was their leader um he continued his occult education, collecting all the books he could get his hands on. He researched anything about the occult, Satanism, and fellow Satanists such as Alistair Crowley. Alistair Crowley. Crowley. <laughs> I knew as soon as you were like, ah, I was like, Alistair. <laughs> fucker. You little fuck. You little fuck. Uh, the group also started communicating online with other Satanists. They started breaking into graveyards, scoping out graves they wanted to rob. Uh, even before his conversion to Christianity, it, Royce Casey was having a hard time dealing with the place he was in his life. After the murder, he started writing in the journal. A continued theme was how he was fighting on the other side. So it was like he had this delusion that he was, because he had converted to Christianity, he was fighting them by being a part of them. Huh. It's just... Okay. Okay. Um, so all three, when they when it went to trial, said that Slayer's music was the driving force behind the murder. Okay. Uh, so Jacob Delschmutt said that it was harmless at first. We used to smoke weed, play guitar, kick it. I was just into heavy metal music. But then Joseph Fiorella asked him a question that would change everything. It, if he said, be, if he'd be down for sacrificing a virgin... I didn't take it seriously and I said whatever. And then it just kind of grew from there. You would think though, once we get past the like, yeah, let's sacrifice a virgin point, and it's like actually putting a plan into action, you'd be like, hold on. No, dude, <laughs> too much. <laughs> it's a hard pass. I would, you know, like, no from me. <laughs> We were like trying to write some like heavy songs and that wanted to be sure but for real no thanks hard no hard pass yeah i don't you're fucking dumb is all i have to say um you keep saying that and it feels like it's directed at me (laughs) because (laughs) because i'm the only other one here you're like you're not there so i'm like you too i'm just kidding (laughs) 
but I'm nice. I'm nice lady. <laughs> but I'm nice lady. Okay, so in the end, they all pleaded no contest to the murder of Elise Poller and were sentenced to 25 years to life. Um, they are all being held at different prison facilities in California. Um, so Elise's parents, David and Lisanne Poller, did file a lawsuit against the band Slayer in 1996, claiming that Thong's uh, postmortem and dead skin mask gave their daughter's killers instructions on how to stalk, rape, torture, murder, and commit acts of necrophilia. So that case was thrown out. Then they yeah. filed a second lawsuit against Slayer, saying that they knowingly distributed harmful material to minors. But obviously the record label was like, it's warned. There's a thing on the album saying parental guidance advised. Um, Slayer's albums also contain violence and sexual language. It's all on the warning label. That's why they made the warning label. Um, Their attorney came back with the warning stickers record labels use um, actually as an advertising device to, to draw in kids because it's parental guidance, blah, 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 blah. But that case was dismissed as well. Uh, the drummer for the band Slayer gave an interview um, with Guitar World magazine, and in it he said, they're trying to blame the whole thing on us, um, when clearly the blame should be put on the killers only. If you're going to do something stupid like that, you should get in trouble for it. He continued by pointing out how the killers didn't even follow their necrophilia sacrificial rituals the band had detailed in their <laughs> Right. He's like, dude. They didn't even do seriously. it right. <laughs> seriously if you're gonna blame us at least fucking look at the shit they didn't even do it like we said to so obviously they didn't listen it's not us yeah no but for real i agree though it's not it's not a musician or an artist or a tv show's place to parent and babysit your kids to make sure they know what is and is not right right so after a few years in prison, um, while giving an interview with the Washington Post, Jacob Delschmont was now pointing the blame on someone else. He said the music is destructive, but he wasn't blaming it any longer. He said that's not why Elise was murdered. She was murdered because Joe Fiorella was obsessed with her and obsessed with killing her. Oh, so there's the the background story to it, huh? Yeah. <clears throat> and then when Joe Fiorella was up for probation, he talked about his motives and what the music did to him. It said it gets inside your head, having reflected on his crime differently. It said it's almost embarrassing that I was so influenced by the music. It started to influence the way I looked at things. So he, um, none of them, it, what's funny is none of them put any blame on any of the drugs they were using. Um. But I feel like that probably had a better, more effect than the actual music itself. Well, and like when you're taking meth and acid and then you're listening to these dark lyrics, they're gonna fuck up your brain. It's gonna fuck up your brain. And it's the drugs. It's not necessarily just the music that you're listening to because it makes you susceptible to more. Um, how how you put the... the to be more malleable in things so they kept saying it was the music it was this it was that and the underlying tones that people that they were taken from it and what it seemed what people assume is the real thing that drove them to commit their crimes was getting the perfect girl to lay there and be theirs without rejecting them Mm. you know or refusing to give them what they wanted and 
it kind of comes across as that the corpse gave them sex and that's what they wanted which is uh so with uh when it came fiorella came up for parole he changed his mind again now saying the music had nothing to do with the murder uh and claims that the crime was never intended as a satanic sacrifice but did not give any new motive or reason so he felt it was like he thought that blaming the music wouldn't get him parole so he was going to say it wasn't the music's fault but try something else yeah yeah so uh casey's at rj donovan correctional facility in san diego um, Royce Casey is Joe Fiorella is at High Desert State Prison in Suzanneville, and Jacob Delschmont is at the Correctional Training Facility in Soledad, California. Okay. Uh, Royce Casey was denied hit parole at his first hearing on July 2016, and um, is set to go before parole again in 2021. Uh, Fiorella came up for parole, uh, is up for parole, was up, he was up for parole last month in June. But no, mm-hmm. nothing has been updated Announced. yet as to okay. if it was approved or not. And there was really no parole information for Jacob's jail spot at this point. Okay. So, and that is the story and the murder of Elise Pauher. What Pre- the fuck, dude? There's okay. weird, because I've heard, like, all of the death metal murders and stuff like that, and I'd never heard of this one. Yeah. Well, and like, that's... I feel like recently I've come across just a plethora of things I've never heard of before that are not new. They're just, and they're like, fucked. Like, how do you not know about these things? Like, you know about fucking Albert Fish from way back in the day who only like technically has been convicted of like the one crime. And there's like people I'm like, they killed how what they killed how many people what they wore a scalp what the fuck you know like that sort of thing (laughs) where i'm like what in how did this not become something that people are like whoa weird why do i not not know about this (laughs) right i've always been curious how things end up being like hot ticket true crime stories and things get like looked past you know what i mean yeah it's just interesting just got to be like the perfect storm of like time things that are happening in the world culturally and stuff or something because yeah fuck dude i don't know but yeah good job never heard of that before oh well thank you interesting interesting now i want to look it up i just want to look at pictures of these people you know yeah sorry that um i just came at it came at home with you know it's fine i I get it it was just woo. I was not prepared. And, I, and when I'm not feeling great, I get really like emotional. So I was like, uh, a little, a little collapses afterwards. Fuck it, man. Shit. Fuck it, man. Shit. Oh, good job. Hey, thanks. I'm- it is what it is. It is. I turned my air conditioning off. Now I'm real hot. Yeah, so you better wrap this up. Better fucking do this. Let's tell a story, <laughs> kid. Good thing. Good thing is short no so like i said i tried to think of something that would be like semi-lighthearted and nice to do after last week's craziness and then now your really good story this this week (laughs) it's really nice um it was a good story don't get me wrong but there were moments that i 
I think next week I was prepared for. I'm going to try and lighten it up and maybe do like a survivor story or something where it's got like a happy ending because my last couple stories have been real. Next week's 70. So I'm going to tell you about the disappearance of Winston Bright. Winston. Winston. That's a posh name. Yes. Well, Winston, I guess kind of. It's like it's like one of those things where you know um it seems like shitty people have like those weird upper class names. Not necessarily that he's a shitty person, but he's definitely not like a bougie blue blood okay. person. But yes, Winston Bright. He was he married a woman named Leslie in 1970, who obviously is now Leslie Bright. Um they had three kids, and they lived in New York's East Village. Okay. Winston worked as a telephone utility worker for Verizon. I feel like, yeah, 1970. I was like, did I even say a, a year? <laughs> God damn it, Amanda. Get it together. Uh, so he worked as a telephone utility worker for Verizon, and his dream job was to be someone who worked with at-risk youths so he would try to volunteer his time as much as he could to like underprivileged programs for the community um so in the fall of 1990 20 years after they were married right um sorry (coughs) i gotta get water i will be right back now that i'm actually like talking talking i gotta get water Ice water. Okay. So, let me get my notes because I didn't memorize everything. (laughs) (laughs) I was just going to start telling the story again like I knew what I was talking about. All right. So, in the fall of 1990, they celebrated their 20th wedding anniversary. Wait, did this happen in the 90s? That's when mine... (laughs) Yep. <laughs> Every fucking time. It's so weird. We're we're on the same page wavelength. So anyway, so October 12th uh, of 1990, Winston went to work as usual. He was 41 at the time. He called home at his lunch break, which he usually did. And then he also called as soon as he finished his day because, you know, cell phones weren't a big thing. So he'd call to let his wife know that he was on his way home. Right. He finished work because it wasn't always like a set time, I guess, for his mm-hmm. job. Um, so he calls home afterwards and then he just never showed up that night. Uh, no one heard anything from him throughout the next day. And Leslie reported him missing because she was trying to like justify it somehow. Like, well, maybe he went and did this and got caught up and whatever you know like tried Mm -hmm. to justify him not coming home but after it had been a full day she called the authorities and uh, reported him missing so the nypd investigated his disappearance but there was literally nothing to show what had happened to him or where he went right leslie went around new york city and posted missing person flyers hoping that someone maybe knew something had seen him go someplace had seen somebody with him Um, but it was fruitless. And at 2000, so 10 years after he had disappeared, Leslie had Winston declared dead officially. Um, Her and the children have been living in extreme poverty and they needed 
the insurance money and his pension in order to survive. So it was kind of one of those, like, you don't want to admit that he may be dead, but also I have not been paid. Well, and here's the thing, like she wasn't the breadwinner, right? She didn't have a job. She didn't have, like, she had to go out and figure out getting a job, getting enough money to pay for their, they had three sons, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and they were at that time, like in their teens. So they had more that they needed. Mm -hmm. Um, but this honestly only helped a little, um, the pension, I guess was only like $300. And I don't know if it's because like time had elapsed or what, like exactly Mm -hmm. the reason is, but like it wasn't a lot of money, but it basically helped them catch up on their bills that they had been behind on. Um, but so life was still really tough for them. Um, one of the sons ended up starting to deal drugs in order to make ends meet for the family. Um, another son ended up in prison for something else, but I couldn't really find what it was. Doesn't really matter, but he ended up in prison. And in 2008, a man who knew the family contacted Leslie. He said that he saw Winston in New York City. Mm. Like, I saw him. He is here. Like, I don't know. Yeah. So, soon after this, they the family, like, took this lead and kind of started acting as if he was alive, alive again. And they started digging into it and found that they thought he was living in San Diego, Los or California. So that's also in California. <laughs> here's, here's, yeah. They found him? Uh, yeah. In 2009, so this is 19 years after he disappeared, uh, Winston returned home. So <gasps> he came back. He told his family that, yeah, he said he had suffered from amnesia. And the first thing he remembers was being on the streets of San Diego. So I don't know if he like got hit in the head or what happened, but the, the next thing he realized he was on the streets in a city. He didn't know who he was. He didn't know who his family was. He didn't know where he was. Um, he, hopped from homeless shelter to homeless shelter for a while and then in a magazine he read the name Guami Segu like it was some article about someone overseas and he liked that name so he adopted it so he went as Guami Segu and or it's like Siku a Siku I don't know how to exactly pronounce it, but so he went by that name and somehow got the state to recognize him as this person. So he had a legal identification card with that name. Weird. Yeah. So I don't know if he like somehow finagled, like saying he lost his stuff or like it disappeared. I don't know. Somehow he ended up with legal identification saying he was Guami. Okay. Uh, (laughs) after that, he got on his feet, he went back to school and he actually ended up with a master's degree. He became a teacher and he worked with at-risk youths. So he did what he was wanting to do in New York, but in San Diego. Weird. He, so he said that in 2008, his memory started to seem to come back and like, little blips because he took a trip to New York City and that family friend that called Leslie had approached him and asked him his name and told him you look just like my friend this and it like jogged something in his brain 
And so when he came back to California, his memory started like coming in chunks, like back to him. And even though he like pretty much remembered what his life was before he was in San Diego now, he still kept the name Guami after after that. Like he didn't readopt his name. Well, mostly I'm sure it's, I mean, it's been almost 20 years. I'm sure it's like, right. This is who I am now. Like, I understand that there was that backside, but Mm -hmm. like, you know, so he, Leslie and their sons didn't believe that he lost his memory. They're like, this is where I'm like, I tried to find something like lighthearted and then it ended up just being like a lot of drama. (laughs) So they didn't believe that he lost his memory. They think he just uh, abandoned them? Yeah, there was no medical evidence saying that he had suffered from amnesia. There was no, like, blips brain in his trauma. brain way. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Leslie says that the first time that the family was reunited, a.k.a. or Winston, a.k.a. Guami, was talking to her about her his pension and threatened to take her to court over his pension from before. Um, but Leslie basically said, well, try me because then I'll just take you to court for the back payment for child support because you haven't been paying anything for 20 years and I've been raising our kids. Right. So, (laughs) uh, so like the first thing he was worried about was money. This is what Leslie says. So again, I take everything with a grain of salt because it may be that she took it in a different way. Like maybe she had brought it up or I don't know exactly the conversation, but she said the, one of the first things they talked about was his pension money. So okay, cool. That seems honest and nice. Um, Leslie told him about the poverty that they had been living in since he disappeared. And she said, it seemed like he didn't care. Like there was no sympathy there for them. Um, in fact, his biggest like argument was, like he gets it times were tough when he had no idea who he was had no identification was living on the streets of san diego it's not like he was living a swimming life until he did something with his life you know right so he's like i understand it was hard but i couldn't do anything about it because i didn't remember anything right um which if this is like true like how fucked would that be just all of a sudden it's like you wake up and you're in a place you have no idea where you are what's my name do right. I know anybody around me? And then to find out 20 years later you had a family? Across the country. Yeah. Yeah. If this is real, like, how fucked would that be? So, in 2012, Guami um, went to court to reverse his death declaration, uh, but it was dismissed for lack of evidence because there was no real evidence that he was who he was saying he was. Uh, but then he went back to court for the, with DNA evidence in 2017. So five years later and in April, 2018, he was declared, it was declared that Guami and Winston were the same person and that he could no longer be presumed as dead. He agreed not to go after the pension money or anything like that from Leslie and Leslie and Guami are still technically married. which is really a weird like thing in the story um she never she will never believe the amnesia story she said she's like i'm never gonna believe that it's a totally unrealistic like a one in a never type of thing that happens um 
And she but says, But how did that it get to San Diego? Yeah, that's that's where she's like, You don't, no one's gonna like pick you up, bring you across the country, and drop you off on the streets. Like, that's she's so like, weird. I don't understand. Yeah. And she said that he still calls her every few months, like, to check in and stuff and she's like it's just so odd and she said she's she thinks that he still wants to have some sort of a relationship and that's why he like didn't want to go after her for the pension and whatever she's like I don't know if he's just getting older and lonely now and he thinks that you know he wants help but I don't know man it's so weird like what do you think what do you think happened I I don't so many, know. Like <laughs> the most That's just a weird name to pick if you're trying to like start over. So I mean like but whatever. But the most I guess reasonable explanation would be he was actually trying to leave the family and like abandon them. Mhm. And something happened like if he did lose his memory, something happened to make him like he got mugged. Or once he got there, and that's how he ended up on the street not knowing who he was. Or something like that, you know? Where, like, his intention was to abandon his family. He flew to San Diego. And then something happened to him that caused him to have amnesia. And that's how he ended up on the street, I feel like, would be the most realistic if he did actually lose his memory. Yeah. Because nobody would have, like, he, like, there was no, like, it's not like he was kidnapped and new york and dropped off on the streets of san diego like there had to be a way that he got into san diego yeah but my question is there has to be a way to trace that like did he like did he did was there no plane ticket for him like how did did he drive there like there has to be some type of like and living in new york i don't know if they necessarily had the vehicle because a lot of people just don't, and they walk everywhere, you know? Right. Um, so if he flew to San Diego, there has to be a plane yeah. ticket or some type of paper trail of how he got to San Diego. Yeah. And so that's where it's like, if there isn't, then did someone bring him to San Diego? And if that's the case, then why? But right. I'm kind of in the same camp as Leslie, where I'm like, I don't necessarily believe it. I think it all lines up way too perfectly to be something so abnormal because he's like oh I just woke up in San Diego and then I uh, adopted this random name that I found in the magazine and uh this this and this like but then why would he have lived in like lived on the streets because he didn't have a plan he just left his family and then but why would you go back to New York because somebody saw him in New York he was visiting I know but why would you go back to New York if that was where like you know where your family lived and someone could i mean i know people are stupid i don't know (laughs) yeah it's just it's a weird because i'm like and then it's just that like end part where he only reached out after the friend said i saw winston and then they looked into it and thought they had tracked him down and how did they track him down is my question that is the other thing like I don't know if they just didn't do like a real missing persons investigation in the nineties. Cause he was an adult and he had the right to just disappear if he wanted to. Yeah. Um, and so I'm wondering if maybe it was something where they did look up like plane tickets or something, right. you know, 
something like that. Um, there weren't a lot of details that I could find. It was like a general story. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting little tidbit thing. That's why I was like, I want to tell this one, but then I was going to maybe just choose another little short one that was the same premise where it was somebody who disappeared and re-showed up after decades. Because it happens surprisingly more than one would think. It happens more than you think. <laughs> it's weird. But yeah, so that's the story of Winston Bright, a.k.a. Guami Sigu. <laughs> Guami Sigu. <laughs> Uh, Winston. Not. Winston. Uh, what the heck, Winston? <clears throat> that was a good story. Thank you. Thank you. It was short but sweet. Just very, like, you know what I mean? When I said, like, it's kind of just, that's what it is. Yeah. I mean, there's questions, but. It's cut and dried. It's there's not going to, there's not going to be any answers to any of the questions unless somebody just either confesses or. And there's not a big, long, rambling story. It's just, like, straight he to the point. He was here. And said then he, he lost his gone. memory. And then he left again. Thank That's you weird. for re- recapping that. Yep. <laughs> I know. I t- See, I could have made it shorter. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, guys. Thanks for listening. And girls. I hope. Yes. And binaries yes all of you every person human alien all the pronouns goats goats yes goats especially well i said humans aliens i'm like you know everybody goats other than human animals what else is there you know (laughs) i don't goats were the first animal that came to my head okay (laughs) jeez (laughs) stop giving me shit (laughs) i don't just feel good (laughs) i don't feel good leave me alone Back so sweaty from this fucking couch. <laughs> There's no air conditioning. I'm hot. <laughs> I'm full yeah. of complaints. Love me. <laughs> Amanda's dying of heat right now. So we're going to just wrap this bitch up. Ew. Let's do it. Follow us, like us on Facebook, Instagram. Thanks for shout out to the person who left us that new comment on iTunes. You're you the best. I'm going to read it right now. Right? It made my heart feel good. It made my heart feel so good. And it got rid of that negative one that that asshole left. Well, and I think, like, for me, it's kind of the point of the podcast to me. Right. So them saying it, I'm like, oh, good. That's the premise we are going for. Uh, It was from Angie M. 1976. And she said, it's just like hanging out. I listened to all of the True Crime podcasts, just stumbled across this one, and it's definitely my new favorite. Hilarious. When you brought up Just Friends, I almost peed myself. Best low and liner movie. It really is. Mm-hmm. Angie M. It really is. What it's, ham did you slap? Not the, not ham, the ham that I, I just, just bought. She's <laughs> <laughs> so hot. I'm going to slap the ham to that later. <laughs> What ham did you slap? <laughs> Not the ham that I just bought. Uh, oh, yeah. Thanks. thanks. You guys, oh, do oh. it. Oh, what? We said thanks at the same time in the same tone. It was weird. <laughs> oh, what's up? Uh, yeah, you guys yeah. should review us as well. I want to yeah. see your words. What you think? What you got? I want to see your words. <laughs> Show me your words. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> you okay, okay there, Grandpa? 
Yeah, I'm fine. Oh, good. I'm, I want to go, though, so I can yeah. turn on my air conditioning. Okay, bye. Spread your okay, word. Bye. Spread yourselves. Hopefully see you tomorrow, Nielsen. Yeah, get, stop it. I will do my best. I have been laying down for longer than I have since I was a child. <laughs> You're fine. It's just allergies. Just keep telling yourself it's allergies. I took allergy meds today. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> okay. I love you. Goodbye. I love you. Bye. Bye. Oh, that's it.